Hey guys, welcome to The Roundtable. Here at The Roundtable, we continue the conversations that we have had from Sunday morning and how you can have practical ways to help every person take their next steps towards Jesus together. Hey guys, welcome to episode 65 of The Roundtable. I'm Jenny Walker, the social media ministry leader here at Life Church, and this is Mike Hill, our lead pastor of Life Church. And he loves when I announce him, when I say <laughs> I'm his name. I'm just saying, I just love it when I just get to sit back. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm sure I, it is you're nice. You're going to introduce our special mm-hmm. guest. Yeah. Special, Which, special. Special, special guest. Yeah. yeah. I don't know actually who she is. <laughs> <laughs> I saw her on the side of the road and I was like, she looks like somebody that has a story. <laughs> no, this is my mom, Christine Walker. So this is going to be fun. Yes, it is. So yeah, much like fun. It's like the mother-daughter podcast. <laughs> Mother-daughter. We've already daughter. decided, like, this is, this is where Jenny really takes over. Okay. Like, take it over the lead role, mother-daughter <laughs> podcast, and I just get to sit back. No. And- yeah. You're going to do your thing. <laughs> well, and then again, you know, we were talking earlier and Jenny has said this different times on the evolution. And this is kind of what's cool about Life Church and it kind of carries into everything that we do. Everything just kind of evolves to what works, mm-hmm. right? And so the the roundtable has evolved, continues to evolve. And more of it is just how do we create atmospheres to help people? That's what mm-hmm. we're really trying to get figured out and we think some of the greatest help is other people's stories, you know, and whatever their journey is. And then we can learn from people's journey and we can see, you know, God's still alive. God's still working. And he does work in situations that sometimes we think are impossible. And Mm so we'd love for you, like we talked about before we went on, love for you to kind of take us on your journey, you know, Mm -hmm. and again, in the midst of all of that, here's, what's great for our listeners and people watching. Now you get to learn things about Jenny that she never has said like the unfiltered version yes. of you know and in this story yeah. this was Jenny and probably some things I don't even remember yeah which is right. a lot okay. of it actually and yeah. I try to remind you of those things yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah so can you kind of take it, us yeah. on a, a little bit of a journey so talk, take us back to again growing up you know what was life like what was kind of your you know moment where you came to know Christ or just kind of take us on that journey of of your life so so um, I went to a VBS. At, are you um, from around here? I am from okay, Huntington. So well, sort of. We've moved several different places throughout my life. But at, in sixth grade, it was where I was going into sixth grade. There was a VBS and a pastor um, had an altar count call. And this was at College Park Church. And I got up and I guess I ushered my sister to get up too. So I was already evangelizing, didn't even realize that in sixth grade. And we both got saved. And um, what was really great, I got to be in a children's ministry for many, many years. And um, I had another family that the older sibling um, came up during VBS to get saved. And he went back and he grabbed his younger sister and younger brother. And God was speaking on my heart and just showing me how important that was for family. And it just kind of touched my heart that I also got to then be in VBS and see children come to life in Christ. So was it something um, you watched? I mean, so were your parents like highly involved in the church and way like, I mean, how do you end up at VBS? Was it something your parents said you got to go to or is it like babysitting? You so know? my grandfather was a minister. Okay. And he worked for the United Brethren Churches for many, many years. And it was the love of his life. I He was an example of my life, everything that he did. I kind of followed him around. He was really, you know, my um, mentor and guide. Um, and he was also, you know, a, a lot of the reason why I wanted to search out God and 
and be a part because I was in his church many, many moments. My mom would send us in there. Um, he had a small church at he, when he came back from Kansas because okay. he preached mainly in Kansas. And then he came back here and had a small church in Huntington. And, yeah. in Huntington. It was in the country, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Yes. Huh. And um, I used to sit in church with my grandma. My mother and father both did not attend church. My mother did occasionally, but she knew enough to send me to church. Huh. So oh, yeah, um, she was the pastor's daughter. She's told me <laughs> like when, back when she was alive, she's told me some funny stories about uh, pastors, like yeah. children. About pastors' kids? Yeah, yeah. We've talked about this, like with pastor's kids. They're right. just wild. She was wild. <laughs> the pastor's she, kids are always wild. Yeah. She yeah. basically wanted to do everything that they did not want her to do. And, and that was a lot. It though. was quite a bit of rebellion. Not dancing. They couldn't dance. Uh, she couldn't play cards. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. They were very um, kind of, I guess, old school or right. just that was just really the belief that they had in their in their house. And they stuck to those beliefs and believed that, you know, what the word was speaking over their lives. And they were adamant, adamant about it. And I don't know, the passion that my grandfather had and my grandmother for Christ is really it's probably their prayers is the reason why I accepted Christ. Yeah, so that so just for a second, because I think this is unique, right? So, and I think it's like important to talk about because I'd like to hear your opinion or even your thoughts on this too, Jenny. If so, here is you know a guy that's a pastor, his wife's a pastor, so that your grandpa, mm -hmm. the kids, which grew up in something that I would assume to your mom didn't make any sense, mm -hmm. right? So there was a disconnect mm -hmm. from what your grandpa was doing to mm -hmm what your mom, and I don't know if there were other, other siblings, but it just didn't connect to the point where, I won't say she didn't care, but she didn't go to church, right? So, you know, it, you can kind of say that it wasn't a relationship for her. She didn't have a relationship with Christ. Right, because it was so more it rules. Made a difference. Yeah, that's religion. What, that's right. what I was hearing you say. Yes. So mm -hmm. somewhat in your, your grandpa, who you looked up to, was involved in a church system and or something that he believed in that was very rules oriented, mm -hmm. right? And so for mm -hmm. your mom, it didn't make any sense because it wasn't relationship. No. So uh, it's just interesting to me then. So what was, the, was there a change in your grandpa, you know, that as a grandchild switch, because, you know, sometimes you see that over yeah. the years, mm -hmm. yeah. over the years, you see, like, we start with something and mm -hmm. then we, we watch it go down the road yeah. and sometimes people do change mm -hmm. and sometimes, you mm -hmm. know, they get to this place. And so do you think there was a change? So, so two things with it. One, grandparents, make sure that you don't give up on your grandkids, right. even though they're not going to church, like yeah. take over, take a responsibility to say, Hey, I'm going to at least invite them, you know, because again, even though the parents might not go and we think that they're not that interested, at least they'll let them go mm -hmm. usually. So that was a good thing that, because we keep talking about the same concept. What can we learn by the examples of other people mm -hmm. of what somebody did for us mm -hmm. that gave us a chance, right? right? So what is it? So your grandpa gave you a chance Absolutely. to be at that place. Well, and when he moved back, when they moved back to Huntington, um, he it was more of an independent church. Okay. Um, but what I remember him um, being as a man of God, he was on his knees. Mm -hmm. Whenever I'd spend the night, I would go in the bedroom to say goodnight, and he'd be on his knees praying. Mm -hmm. He was just the bright example of what it is to live a life fully until the moment that he left this earth. Right, right. Um, my mother, on the other hand, did not have, um, she had a Bible, but it was unopened. Sure. And just was not in, she was just in everyday living. Right. And um, really wanting to do more her thing. Um, but she did occasionally go to church. She knew enough to send us to church. Right. 
You know, I always just say that no matter what the word of God, yeah. it's going to show fruit sometime sure. and it has to produce something. And for her life, um, it really was in her moments that I reflect of her leaving this earth because she passed away of leukemia, mm. um, that I saw a mom that had full peace about two weeks prior to her leaving mm. the earth. It's just, she just had a renewed sense of who God was in a it just was a different mom. I saw right. mom change right before my eyes. And God used unfortunate circumstances, not that he promoted at all any of the cancer. Sure. But it was allowed to do and to produce something that the enemy thought it would not produce. Right. And it produced her peace and joy. And it just produced something that I, it's long living for me to see that there is a God. He, at no matter what, in whatever point in life you're at, um, that a moment's twinkling, somebody can change. Right, right. There is hope for every single person. I think sometimes we give up hope too easily or hope gets dissolved sure. in what we think, um, not really knowing what the Word of God says over our thinking. Right. So one, one of the things that you said I think is good for us to learn from is the situation that you've now described. So I'm going to describe okay. it in the way I heard it so I don't. you, you okay. can correct if this is wrong or not. So the way I hear you say is you come to know Jesus in the sixth grade, but you're living in a home that essentially is not promoting growth of your Christian walk. Right. So now there's this next phase of your journey that I think there have been significant amount of people that have went down this journey mm -hmm. and or are trying to figure this out today. Mm -hmm. So yeah. people that are listening today, young people that are saying, I live, and again, when I say this, this isn't any like against your mom and dad, but somewhat unsupported right. when it came to your faith, Correct. maybe supportive in every other way, but unsupported right. when it comes to your faith. So talk about your journey from sixth grade till through your high school, you mm -hmm. know, what was it like and how did you grow in your faith or what were some of the challenges in your faith from then through high school without it being something that you could come home and mom and dad hold you accountable mm -hmm. to or help you right. get a, to grow it? I was an unusual kid. Um, I yes, had... she was. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till we you get to you. Seen her, um, <laughs> Wait till we get to you. Yeah. She had those cool braces I that did. wrapped around. No, it was a Nick band. Oh, a Nick band. But you had Nick a head band. brace. That's it's, true. Yeah. Yes. That was, <laughs> that's kind of sensitive subject. <laughs> It's all good. It'll just be a picture that she, all, put it up she also them. had high water. It's a funny story because her, her legs are coming. so long that like she had to grow up with high water. So super embarrassing. So like she never let me have high waters because she <laughs> because understood you how wanted it felt. You wanted high no, waters? because like our legs are so long yeah. that that was back before long jeans like it's started. Now. Yeah. So okay. that was one thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. I had some really good, um, teachers in church and they just took a hold of my life and instilled some truths in me. So I had a Bible given by my aunt and then another Bible given by a teacher and I got in the word. So when I would go home, I would go up to my bedroom and I started work just reading the Bible hmm. all the time. So I was kind of one of those children, you know, that's right. what I did throughout my teenage years. I do remember, though, when I was in high school, there was one party that some friends were going to. I went over to the house, and I knew it was a decision of my life at that moment. It was a defining point that I could go and partake of everything that they were partaking of or to walk out. And hmm. I chose to walk out, and I really believe that it was a foundation from 
reading the word from probably prayers of family was not my journey to take at that Hmm. moment. And I walked out. And truthfully, I think that my life would have been totally different in a different direction and and forward and who I married, my children, I might not even had life. So um, I'm just thankful for the grounding that I had as a child. It's so important, you know. If but you're, it's something that you did on your own. Yeah. Right? I mean, you Absolutely. had other people supporting you, but you made a personal decision to say, I'm going to grow in my face. I'm going to pick up my Bible. I'm going to read, and right. I'm going to seek out people to help me. Had to be the inspiration of other people. I had an aunt and uncle who um, my aunt and uncle were pastors, too. So probably in seeing them, being around them, they live local. Hmm. Um, it was probably inspirational for me. I don't know. It just was something that could not get enough. And I was a young child reading the Bible. So how did it go when you went in high school? Like, did like how'd your dating <clears throat> experience go being a found date? You know what I mean? Like, think right. about this. Like, mm-hmm. very seldom do you see foundational Christian women that are going to you know, again, I would assume as you're going through this, be like, I got to find a guy that's in the same place that I am. Mm-hmm. Was that hard? Was it easy? Was it? I think I dated quite a bit okay. in high school. Whoa, um, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> College got to be a lot of fun. Okay. Um, oh, gosh. I always didn't take things to the next. I, I just would stop at a certain level. Okay. So I was more into just having a good time, going out, just hanging out. Yeah. Enjoying it. So was um, it hard to find a guy that was on the same level as you? Or did um, it matter? Did you, you know, care? at that point, I think in college, I mean, I loved God, but I don't think that I was really um, working on a relationship with with God so okay. much. I, it just was on the side. I was doing college work. And, yeah, but you were and at I met Huntington University. So, I mean, it was like it was a Christian college. college. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so I chose a... well. I was going to go to Ball State and God closed the doors for a friend of mine and myself at the last minute. Both of us couldn't go. We didn't have a place. We didn't have a dorm room. So we went then to Huntington College. And I'm thankful for that. Right. um, That God had a plan in that for both of us. Yeah, because that's one of the things that we've talked about on and off with a lot of our guests is is like, once you do make a decision of Mm -hmm. faith, how does picking the right person Mm come into that and how do you find or pick the right person? So did you meet your husband in college? I met him there. Okay. He came in the second semester and was kind of a setup from one of my friends. And immediately we were on the same page immediately. I think the he uh, fell in love with me the first time that he saw me and he me denies wow. that. He does he denies that. He doesn't remember he does. everything. He does not remember that. No. We were in He said it was you that said love you. No. Was not. Okay. I'm just going to tell you. Let's rewind it. Okay. I'm sure it's somewhere, some volume mm-hmm. that we're going to see later on. But yeah, he was he was gone. And and I was too. It was just, we clicked. We had the you same. You love at first sight. You were getting married. That long we, hair. And we Ugh. did. He had uh, long he, hair. Now he's bald. I should have kept the long hair. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he had some of the same desires, aspirations. He wanted to be a pilot in the Navy. He had just huge aspirations, and that was um, something that I was. So that's just what he ended up being a pilot in the Navy. Well, he had um, an issue with his eyes. He had okay. gotten a piece of um, metal in his eyes, okay. um, and that ended yeah. that for path for him. Okay. So he's working at my grandpa's restaurant, which was here in town. Your grandpa mm-hmm. had a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well, it's yeah. quite a bit. Well, so house. now it's over. Well, it's. Not there anymore, but it's where CBS was. Or oh. why, or is it Walgreens? We're Walgreens. Okay. okay. Apparently it was really good. He actually had a hit back in the four day. restaurants. So the oh. first one was in Columbia City. And um, there's a lot of stories behind that. And, wow. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, that's exciting. It is. So you guys get married, right? Yes. So you get right. married right out of college. Right. Out of Stay college. here. We do. Stay He's in still Huntington. finishing school. Okay. Um, so you're older. And I. <laughs> And I <laughs> no, 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 you're not older. No, I was just what saying I thought saying? that she graduated that like he said he was still finishing college. Oh, so I thought yeah. maybe she was done with college. Oh, no, he, no, no, you're um, older. No, I'm well, now you expecting had my first child. Yeah. So I did go back to school. So I oh, began okay. working. So to okay. help him get through college. Okay. And um, of course, we were two kids just, you know, living on whatever change we had. And sure. He was working for my father. And um, we decided that maybe he should, he wanted to enlist into the military. So um, with the help, he enlisted into the service and went out to um, California in the Navy. And then soon after that, we left for um, San Diego. I didn't know this part of the story. Mm-hmm. So you guys go live in San Diego. It's actually, a, there's a plot twist coming <laughs> up. There's a plot oh, twist coming okay. up. So again, in all of this, so this, as we're just kind of talk, talking about the fun part of knowing right. your journey and what you're doing. So you grow up, you're, you're on fire for Christ. You go to a Christian college, you meet the man of your dreams. Still both of you, like the center of our life is Jesus and we're focused it on. Is. Okay. Absolutely. Good. But there are things that he brought into the marriage and there were things that I also brought into the marriage. And you don't discover those at the very beginning. Before we got married, it was Ray Selheimer who married um, mm-hmm. Jeff and I and wonderful man of God. Mm-hmm. Um, he told us that we were the second couple that he, that knew each other the best. Mm. I, I look back at that because, you know, you get you can get like sidetracked with that statement, um, even though I know he was just judging of everyone he's married. Mm-hmm. But I did not know my husband at okay. all. I did not know the issues of his past. I thought um, that when he would just move forward without dealing with the issues of the past, that that we were going to make a marriage and make a life in mm. forward, okay. not having to deal with back. But if you don't deal with back, meaning mm. back past hurts and, sure. and different things that go on, you cannot make a life forward because the forward, the past comes into your forward. So. Mm. Um, with that, over the years, significantly, it just started, anything is a seed. And for him, it was depression. Hmm. And it was just growing and growing. And everything caused, you know, um, in himself to change um, over those years. So I became somebody to keep the peace in the family. Um, I became somebody different. I was, I'm pretty much outspoken. Imagine that Jenny gets a little bit of that. <laughs> No. Well, can I ask you a quick question? It's just, I mean, curiosity. So if you're, you're talking to a young woman today, right? Like one of the things that you said was, you know, I should probably, or I didn't know my Mm. husband as much as I should. Are there, is that just always going to be the case? Is like, or is that in everybody's relationship or are there things we could do better at in the dating process to Mm -hmm. know people on a better level? Would you have any recommendations for people that are out there that, Hey, this would have been good to know, like Mm -hmm. to be able to know, Mm -hmm. like you said, I think something about like the past Mm -hmm. or kind of the stuff that was in the back. Mm -hmm. Is there any way for us in re- or people in relationships to learn those things? Or would you give I, some advice to that? I think there's little signals when you're dating okay. that you choose um, to, they say love is blind. Many times you choose not to address those issues. And okay. I say when you're dating, don't be blind in those issues. You know, um, if this is your person for your the rest of your life, they're going to sit down and talk with you about them. So there were a few things that I look back at now that I could have questioned then. Mm. I was young, 19. Yeah, right. He was 
you know, 21, 22. So we were very young. I was probably very, in a sense, immature and um, needed, you know, some maturity on me. But um, going through reading books, I think there's a lot of apps that you can do together now in the Bible app that'll help you to work through those differences. Um, there was a period in our in our past about five years ago that Jeff and I were on the um, process of divorcing mm-hmm. and the Bible app had some great things for mm. us to go back and regain um, a new marriage, mm. regain new people. And that would take a long time to talk about, but um, <laughs> there, there is all, you've got to learn who your partner is. Sure. And so it might take more than just working. I mean, pastors do a wonderful job. They see you, but Jeff was really good and probably myself too, putting on a false pretense. Sure. Sure. I think I had worked, I mean, when you grow up in the church somewhat, you have a false pretense right. of what you want and maybe even who you are. Right. And um, thank goodness God breaks down those barriers when right. you allow them to do that. Right. Yeah. I didn't, again, I didn't want to go back and, you know, hash, you, you know, can, try yeah. to hash it out. But I wanted to say, <laughs> I do think that as we learn people's journeys and like they have advice that would say like, here's a tool right. when you're in the dating process mm-hmm. of like, learn to try to get to know you know, you, if this is your future mm-hmm. spouse, try to the best of your yeah. ability, create Absolutely. situations mm-hmm. that will allow you to explore things you would never, you know, explore before. Because that's what I tell couples, like, you should probably put yourself in situations where things are going to happen yeah, that absolutely. wouldn't normally yeah, happen right. so you can see how they would react. Yeah. And yeah. ask the hard questions. Yeah. Because we you probably just overlooked them. Right. So you said you overlooked them, but it was because of that blind, like the love was blind mm-hmm. kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think you can like turn them and you know that that's an issue and it will be an issue later, but you can turn it into like a positive somehow. And I think also is to know what you're looking for. I, God gives you the desires of your heart. And I think not that you have to have a complete list and keep it everything on that list because he might, God will know your heart better than what you think you know. But on that list, have the basic things that are the most important that's going to steer you in life long term. Mm -hmm. Don't settle for anything that is not where God, you know, has put that on your list. One of the things was because I'm so tall, I wanted um, (laughs) a tall man. I wanted a tall man. I needed something to be level. Not level. Well, no. Way taller. A little taller. taller? Yeah, he's taller. He is taller. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, but that was the number one thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel you. That was mine. That's mine too. Yeah. That's and, like, and a man after God's heart. You know, I, I needed a man that loved going to church and loved searching scriptures and doing those things. And he did. Right. What happens is you get life that comes in the way and how to deal with life. We were married the same year. So we knew each other. We started dating and then we're married seven months later. So yeah. it was very, very fast. Um, but. Yeah, so then you guys end up getting married, moving. We moved away because moved away. Jeff was in the service. And, okay. Um, uh, so we were in California. So how was we that, being Tennessee. away from family? And... absolutely loved it. Okay. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm an that's... adventurous person. Okay. I absolutely loved new places, new people. He was out on the ship. Um, I was left alone with a baby and a, you know, one-year-old, almost two. And but loved every minute of it. So I had to involve myself in a church family and people so that I have sources and network where I could, you know, with help with the kids. And um, then he would come back and surprise me a couple of days and then he'd be out for like three or four weeks. But what I learned to do was God gave me a lot of downtime. I think it's all in the thinking and how how our mind can work and not look at it as a negative, but to say, okay, here it is. This is what it is. 
what can I do today? Mm. You know, and not to say, what don't I have today? Right. But what can I do today? Um, changing the thought process, you know, is a really, sometimes it's hard because you're from the thought process of your family and where you've grown up and what you've been raised in. But when you start changing, the word of God will change your thought process right. and knowing what you do have. So we became thankful for the time we were together and um, we're very close. I mean, we did a lot of family things together with our first two children, even in the moves. I mean, we, every time, every moment we were together, we did something with our family. Mm. So you um, moved a lot? We moved to, um, yes, we moved to um, Tennessee. Okay. And then we moved down to Pensacola. Okay. And he was stationed down there at NES. So so he was a full-time military he guy. He was. So he wasn't just the four years and out. And well, he served five, I think, five and a half years. Five, okay. This is a plot twist. Are you going to tell him? <laughs> tell him? What's that? When he got, he got chicken pox out on the boat. Oh, okay. And that's when he had to be, what, was it like something? Yeah, they had to. Um, ending it? How do you? Into they the, had to bring him back into the hospital, Boa, Balboa Hospital. I know, but how um, did he didn't work the military anymore or the Navy, right? Because of chickenpox? Right. No, he was still in the service. Then. Oh, yes. I've been but living in a lie. you build up this huge <laughs> plot twist? Yeah, and it's him off the, the ship. I thought that was the like the end of it. No. no he wasn't medically discharged no. because of chickenpox. That's what pox. I thought this so whole time. When he was in um, Pensacola, he was an air traffic controller okay. for the military. So he... You know, worked, and then you the had planes. Christopher when he was out on the boat, right? So yes, there was a period of time when he enlisted and went mm -hmm. into the service. That I was um, eight months pregnant, so I stayed back in Indiana and had Christopher, our second son, well, only son, <laughs> the middle child. And, uh, yeah, the middle. Well, I'm not going to call him the, middle, the child. middle child syndrome. Does he? Yes, he does. What is that? he's a sensitive I'm a middle child? Sensitive souls. Okay. That, that's how you would describe me? No, that just want to be included in everything. Like around the family unit. I don't know about in everyday life. I don't think so in everyday life, but just around the family. Okay. Yeah. But it's in very California needy. is when both of them went out. So they, they both But went yeah, out. He, he met him and... for the first time after he was born. Wow. So they have this cute picture of him holding him and seeing him for the first time in his Navy outfit. Aww, it's really cute. Cool. And it's like crinkled because it's, it's about so six old. Weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> the picture's so yes. old. Well, yeah. I just was making a joke yeah. because it was so old, like one of those like 70s pictures. Yeah. Um, so then anyway, so you're in Pensacola and then how long are you down there until you guys move back or what brings you back to Indiana? So he got out of the service um, and then just relocating. We had really two choices. One was Indianapolis or out in Colorado and we chose Indianapolis. So oh, wow. it was very nice to come back to Indian. It's a good thing that we did because we were close to Riley Hospital, which we needed to be for Jenny. So this will bring in a little Jenny bit about Jenny. Jenny had to be in Riley Hospital? <laughs> yeah, McDonald's, so, all those French fries. That was amazing. <laughs> That's why I love going there. Uh, why Jenny end up in Riley? So when we moved to Indianapolis and I became pregnant with Jenny and um, Jenny was born with a softening of her trait called tracheomalacia, and um, she could not, at, at two weeks, um, they sent me back down to Riley because the doctor's office said something is wrong. We'd already been to the emergency room, and um, they said she's okay, but our doctor sent us back down. And, and that was a military doctor, right? That was a civilian doctor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, once they discovered that her trach completely closed and then went open because it's very soft, 
um, they put her on oxygen. Any other place, this was a new technique for Riley Hospital, any other place would have been, um, they would have put a trach in Jenny immediately. And I just think how God was protecting her during that time, long-term, he had a plan. This is why we came to Indy. If we'd have been mm. in Colorado, there probably would have been a Jenny with a trach, you know? The Jenny with a trach. Jenny with a trach. <laughs> Not to say well, anything's they would have wrong removed with it, that. wouldn't they have? They would have, but that there was time. a reason why we yeah, were in sure. Indy. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, it was hard for me to go back to work. Um, so Jeff was working, and um, Jenny would... Uh, just to tell you, you know, the extreme was Jenny was so loud when I would nurse her, it actually hurt my ears. We would sit because of my breathing is right. Because, right. Yeah. But I also had a heart murmur. Right. And you then I was born sick. with a heart murmur. And you then it, left that stuff out. And you're okay. a loud eater. <laughs> yeah. I'm a loud, yeah, loud eater. No, breather. That might be breather. It. Breather. Yeah. Right. Okay. Breather. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, because it was a heart murmur. And is that how I got sick in the beginning? So not the heart murmur. I mean, you had that and they discovered the hole in the heart. And oh, the they, hole in the heart. And you had a hole in the heart, but it healed up. Mm -hmm. um, but during the time of you um, being, you were on oxygen and here you bring home a baby with an apnea monitor and all this heart stuff. And um, knowing that she probably is having apnea, you know, wake you up in the middle of the night. I probably didn't sleep a lot. But God uses every circumstance for a purpose and a reason. I had a great church family there in Indianapolis that surrounded themselves around me, would come pick up the older kids, take them to church, do all kinds of things, and, um, you know, just fulfilled the needs that we needed for our family at that time. When Jenny was born, we didn't have a lot of extra funds, but for the first year of her life, I had people who gave us stuff. Um, to fulfill her first full year of everything, wow. baby equipment, church family. Um, uh, it came from all over, uh -huh. clothing, everything that I didn't have to go purchase right. anything. And um, when Jenny also was through that time, you couldn't let her cry because if you let her cry, then she couldn't breathe. And I had to think about the oxygen level going down and um, had to check that quite a bit in house and many doctor appointments, but I used to set her, it was integrity music for kids. And I used to sit down um, at this place where I got CDs in and would play it hour after hour and hour, just sit with her in my arms. And we would just worship at that time. And she would just sit in there and this was to keep her calm. But I look back and I go that God had a purpose because he's called her for a great thing. Even though I believe that, you know, Satan tried to take away her voice and tried to take away, he can't take away what God has instilled into her. Right. And I was able to start praying over her as a child that this was the future, that Satan wasn't going to take this away from her, that right. she had a voice to speak to a, to a world and, and to a community. Um, didn't know some of the other things that would happen later in life, but always <laughs> That's because knew. I was over-nurtured. I think so. They and, say, and like with rats, I am comparing myself to a rat, but <laughs> they say like if they do, they've done these things like where these rats that have gotten like either too much attention or not as much attention, then later on in their rat life will turn to the water with the drug in it. True story. Of rats. You know what's so amazing what? is how you ever find these things. Oh, I know. Like, it's how it's you, pretty amazing. How do you ever get to the place where you can find a I rat know. study well, about somebody who's over nurtured? You should stay up till 3 a.m. and be on Google. <laughs> You'll find out everything you want to know. Yeah, oh, so in that, word. so let's just 
I, again, we'll fast forward a little bit okay. because at this point you're saying, hey, Jenny's coming to the picture. Jenny's now the superstar of the, yeah, right? you know, of the family. Yeah. And, no, I'm the, the favorite. Podcast. Oh, of the podcast. Yes. Yeah, so but I you're am the get favorite some child. Questions from two other siblings. But I am the soon. favorite child. Yeah. So what I'm saying though is, is like you're now our audience. Yes. Is getting, right. Wants to hear the the storyline of the child who was prayed for and right. prayed mm-hmm. over and. Fast forward, when did things from a parent's standpoint, did did you start to see things in Jenny's life or mm-hmm. things that were going on in Jenny's life? And not to have to rehash the whole it's story. Fine. No, I'm just saying, like yeah. at some point, right. as a mom who prayed over, I mean, because I think there's a lot of moms in this situation that have went through these things, whether it's addiction, whether it's kids rebelling, whatever. Like you prayed over these kids and expected God right. to protect them. Right. Expected. Mm-hmm you know, these things did not happen. And so when did you start or Mm. how did that start to come about? And then how did you feel? Like Mm. when this is somebody you prayed over and worshiped over and saw Mm -hmm. as a miracle and God Mm. did and God appointed. And now all of a sudden. Well, I think it comes to me too. I did, I, my take on family, if we do these things, the kids will be okay in later years. That was kind of like a lie from the enemy in a sense. And it was kind of like a religious part of just saying, if we do all these things as a family, they'll keep from, from drugs or they'll keep from things that'll be harmful for them um, or to them. But I was in that lie. And I remember one Mother's Day morning, Jenny came up there and she wasn't going to go to church with us because it was on a Sunday. And I was very mad that she, because I figured, okay, she probably has done something like probably is drinking some things that happened. Um, later on, I, you know, it was a discovery of knowing exactly what had happened to her that day, but God did not reveal that to me at all. I was stuck in the mad. She's not going to be there. This is my day kind of a thing, not mm-hmm. seeing that that was a change, but I knew in my mind, almost like you think Mary pondered with Jesus and the thoughts, there was something that I pondered and stopped and knew something was different, but I did not know completely what it was. But she changed from that moment. I just saw her, she was cheerleading, going out in front of the audience and always wanted to be the show and the person out in front. And she stopped doing that. And you start seeing her, um, she wouldn't invite people over to the house to to come and and, um, have an overnight. She always wanted to go out to their house. You just start seeing these significant changes. In your mind as a parent, you think it's adolescent, you know, this is what's going on. She's How just old is she at the time? You know, it, 16, 15, 16, okay. 17. Because yeah. that was grandma's last Mother's Day. Because mm-hmm. that was a few months before she died. So yeah. that was sophomore year. Yeah. So that was when I went to the party. Mm-hmm. And that was that night after. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, 15, just, 16 years old yeah. Yeah, at the time. And she had, before that, had become a good liar. Well, once you start, you know, doing some things. And I always believed those lies. So I never, ever questioned her about that. Hmm. I think as parents, it's always following you, hindsight. You look back, she was good at covering up um, everything and covering her path. You know, there were times when I did check up on her um, and her friends would tell me differently. So, sure. um, you know, I we just kind of grew apart in a sense, but I kept again thinking it was just adolescence and She's the last child to leave the nest. And and then soon when but she the graduated. the longest to stay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's too easy. Yeah, you are going to leave. <laughs> no, Grayson I like it too. there. <laughs> yeah, so that no, means, yeah. But not I th- Grayson. I just think part of the, you know, part of what I think people want to see, because here's the other struggle, I think, 
even for adults raising kids, it's like we did all the right things, yeah. right? And we said all the right things. We prayed all the right things. We showed up at all the right events. We, right. And then all of a sudden, again, I think you get to the phase, and I don't know, because you never really shared, like, when you started to get into drugs or mm-hmm. when you just kind of shared your story. But yeah. when did you get to the point where you recognize, like, this is out of control? And how did you respond? How was your faith at that time? How was it like, oh, it's stronger than ever because now my kids are bellowing? Or was it like, what is going on, God? Why would you let? Because I can't imagine. why. So many emotions. Looking at and watching your child hurt and suffer, like, was there ever times where you were sitting back there like, God, why are you letting these things happen? Or why are we going down these roads? Or Well, and at the same time, Jenny's father was also in his own little own journey and um, was having a rough time. So our marriage was in a very big struggle. Jenny left the house and moved to Indianapolis. And I couldn't understand why she was, um, so many of her vehicles, she was crashing and having accidents. And she would tell me these stories and we believed her. And we we would go out and buy another vehicle. So she would have that and did not... I did not understand any of the signs of, of someone Listen, being some of those crashes were not me. Addiction. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I lied and said they were me to protect people, but they were not. You knew that. You knew that. Either way. Yes. bought a new vehicle yes. Yes. so that you would okay. have that vehicle. Enabling. And on our insurance and did not even realize I was enabling. I think that um, there was one time when I when I met with her and I knew that she was something was more. To I mean, this. did she ever admit to you like, "Hey, I'm on drugs"? I don't really think that no. it was because you she never always just came out. And said, she's like, like I'm "Mom, doing no, she I was always found denied out. it," and I um, always said, "No, I'm sorry, Jenny." You picked me up a couple of days before Christmas in Indy, remember? And you had thought that you you and Edna took me out to um, to eat. And then you took me back to those, like, apart. was it those apartments? No, that was a different time. But that was so when you times. noticed something. Yeah. And then I came home on Christmas and I passed out and because I had overdosed the night before. And John, my ex-boyfriend, who was the one who introduced me to drugs, like, he got lost on our way back home and I was asleep. So from Indy to here, it took us six hours to get home <laughs> because he's driving. I have no idea. I wake up. There were, so like, many, there were so many times when she would go out into active addiction, out, want to get help and go back and forth into the house. And um, I remember an ER nurse one time at St. Joe telling me um, as a parent, I don't think she's ready at all for change. And I think that was the hardest part as a parent to hear those words, because I'm like, no, I'm going to, we're going to pull her out of this pit and we're going to make this happen. Not, And I did not understand still the element of how the change needed to take place that she needed. Well, the that was the beginning. That was. So when was it when you saw me like on that Christmas Eve? That was yeah. the first time you actually found out. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, because I think there's a couple things to look at. And I think for our audience, like I think this is the biggest part, you know, because I think there is this like, how do you. Um, work just relatively on helping somebody get out of addiction. But one of the things that I think was interesting to our audience that I think is a good perspective that you can give is, is that when we lose control of the people that we love, Mm -hmm. how, 
how do we turn to God? How should we turn? Mm-hmm. Because addiction is one of many things that mm-hmm. happens in our lives where we lose control Correct. and we look to God. And sometimes we look in anger. Sometimes we look in like misunderstanding. Sometimes we look at like, it's the only place I can go. And so can you mm-hmm. kind of help us through the, because you're saying at the same time, your husband's going through some things, your daughter's going through some things. So here's a girl from the sixth grade who. Again, from the somebody looking from a distance, you did it all right. You went through, right. you, you read your Bible, you gave your life to Christ, you sought out mentors, you prayed for your kids, you worshiped over your kids. Now you're in this spot. Right. Talk to me about what were your conversations with God in the midst of all of these things? Well, there was so much guilt on my part. I felt like I had not, because I did not see it, that, you know, I had a lot of condemnation. Um, which the enemy used to kind of pull me down a little bit with. And then, um, you know, there were a lot of blame. My husband wasn't joining in. He wasn't able to to mentally really take care of himself, let alone even think about his youngest child being in an active addiction and being the places that she was. So he kind of checked out. Mm. Um, so I didn't have the support of that. I remember going in because I was on staff at a church, and I remember going in and just being able to tell them, what was going on with my family was, in a sense, there's you feel some humiliation, but that is all a lie from the enemy. Yeah, for sure. Because that keeps you from going to people who can pray for you and who can lift you up and who can um, help you. Mm-hmm. I would carry hurt around because this was so hurtful as a parent to have a loved one in, a, in an active addiction. Not even that in the places that Jenny was at. And I'd wonder, people can't see this hurt. You know, I'm like wearing hurt. And maybe people are out there feel like nobody sees this hurt. Um, And it wasn't until I went through, Jenny went through some things, I went through some things and got healing that I could then see other people that are hurting. Hmm. It just kind of propels you into something you don't realize that you're going to be on the other end of it, helping other people. So the signs are all there. I mean, an active addiction is, you know, the money, the stealing, the lying, you know, the things that kind of go hand in hand with it. Unfortunate for Jenny's, you know, it was physical. You could tell by her, she was bones. And um, when I would go down and wrap my arm around her, um, she just was bones and her hair was falling out. There just was so many things that were visible signs. Um, Every time I got to be there, I tried not to enable her with things, but um, I got to speak life over her. So Yeah, so in it, like, so think about this. So in this, I'm just assuming, like, you're like, God, what's going on? Like, I can't understand this. Why are we at this place? And so I would assume in hearing you say, but your response was to grow essentially Mm -hmm. in your faith, you know, right? Like you felt like this was a time where even though you can change anything, you're growing because I think you see the end result now is you're at a place that you weren't Mm -hmm. before the struggle, right? Or before the trial. Yeah. And God had to correct my verbiage. Um, There was a time when I was speaking death instead of speaking life and Mm -hmm. And um, especially over my marriage and God kind of woke me up to say that everything that I spoke is everything that I'm seeing. And when that changed, um, I remember being flat on the ground, just in tears with Jenny one time when we had to kick her out without a cell phone, without any way to, to be able to really be able to talk with her, know that she's alive or dead. And um, I just remember God just tugging on my heart. And, and my whole thing to God was in repentance because I had said that children, they are my life. Mm-hmm. I had everything out of order. 
I had even God out of order where I'd put my children really above God Hmm. in a sense. And my husband was somewhere down below that list. So I had to get my, I had to come to grips with, you know, I've got everything out of the lineage and I need to get this in line. And you know what, God, she is yours. Um, she's not mine. Right. So this was a revealing standpoint for you where faith grew. So Jenny, talk about your perspective. Mm -hmm. This might be the first podcast I've never heard you talk. Yeah. Like you're sitting over there. No, so but again, because I do think that this is important. So Uh from a daughter's perspective, Mm -hmm. here's a mom grew up obviously in a Christian home. Right. 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 So many people in this area. Right. So many people's stories really the same. Yeah. Grew up in a Christian home, Mm -hmm. mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, somebody had me in church things did or didn't go the way that they were supposed to Mm -hmm. go. And here's somebody I'm assuming you're saying as, here's my mom, believer, you're struggling through this thing. Tell me what the perspective was from your standpoint of how mom Mm -hmm. helping you worked or didn't work. Well. Not in a, again, not a condemning standpoint. Just a a perspective standpoint from somebody who's trying to see it from the outside Mm -hmm. or somebody that's in it that maybe doesn't understand the perspective of the one that's in addiction. Yeah. And what was helpful, what wasn't helpful from a, and again, from a faith standpoint, Uh you know, or from that standpoint of how does God fit into all Mm -hmm. of it. So from the addiction standpoint, if somebody is in addiction, like I was, because I can see it differently now, but when I was in addiction, I couldn't stand anything that you were saying. It got so bad as, because I felt like every time she was with me, she would be preaching to me and that's Mm -hmm. something I cannot stand. But yeah. And so it would be like so bad. Like I would want to like literally jump out of a car moving when she would be talking to me because it felt, I don't know if that was like, I I guess I don't know, but everything she was saying, especially in the beginning, I wasn't listening to. Right. Because. Because you just felt like it was preaching and. Yeah. And I didn't feel in the beginning, I didn't feel like I had a problem. And then like, I, I, you're just annoyed when people try to get you out of something that you don't want to be out of and you don't want to see it. Right. I think, uh, too, can I say something? I remember the connection. When you are a parent, you have a connection with your child to kind of maybe know that they are doing okay or maybe not doing okay if you're listening. I remember when Jenny was up in Chicago and when God would get me up in the middle of the night and I just have a burden for one of my children and, and this time it was for Jenny and it just pray it through. Um, and Jenny was in a really extreme situation during that time. So uh, the one thing that did for me was I drew into God a lot closer when she was further away from God because I, the only source that I had for God knew where she was at, mm-hmm. um, and He knew exactly what was going on in her life. And mm-hmm. but I also had to learn how to pray the Word over her life. But God would wake you up. So like as a parent, like take that time if you're feeling that urge, you know, to pray for your child. There is a reason. Stop yourself. Get up in the middle of the night. Go to a prayer closet or or just sit in a car and pray because mm-hmm. there is a reason. Many times of our journey, and I say ours because she was out there in the world, um, she would come home when I was still praying. And I believe that God just had this mother praying for her daughter to make it safely home or the situation that was going on. Sometimes you might not know that you're praying for other people. It doesn't matter. Just right. listen to the Holy Spirit to do that. And I, the only way that I knew to listen to the Holy Spirit was being on the floor in agony and pain 
and saying, God, you got to help. I don't understand this. Why? And the question was, why God? Why yeah. my daughter? Why is this happening? And um, but I had to turn that why into what I could do, yeah. you know, because why doesn't isn't proactive. You know, it just keeps you in the hurt. Um, and I had to work through the hurt as being a parent. God sent me down. I was working at the Dream Center for the Dream Center at that mm -hmm. time. And I was in the thrift store working as a manager in there. And he would bring parent after parent after parent that had loved ones or wives that their husbands were in active addiction. And we would pray over their situation at that store. They would come in weeks later and tell me how the situation turned. And mm -hmm. many times I'd be like, I, I could have turned my mind to say, why not me? Why mm -hmm. is this not happening for our family? Mm -hmm. Because the journey has been so long and so deep. But I had to say, God, you have your perfect timing. Right. Um, God would send godly people in there to speak life over me too. So, you know, you got to surround yourself with people that are not going to be judgmental, but that can speak life over you because right. you need that support. Yeah. Support systems are huge and opening yourself up is huge to be able to just be, I mean, to unveil, right. take off any, you know, this happens, this, a person to have an addiction, it could have happened to me. The source of pain is so great. I was in so much pain as a parent. Um, for some reason, God kept me to him. Um, but I could have turned my back completely on my child. I could in that pain and I could have gone and had to self-medicate with something else. But God kept me. He was my self-medication. Right. So two questions. One to you, Jenny. Mm -hmm. So what was helpful? Can you look back at any part of your journey to any parent out there that's going through the same thing? Because I guarantee mm -hmm. you there's plenty of them listening in our audience today that, oh, are, yeah. that are parents yeah. praying over their mm -hmm. child yeah. and saying, I have zero idea what to do. Right mm -hmm. now, my daughter is away. My son's away. I don't know what to do. Anything from your perspective yeah. that you could say to the parents out there mm -hmm. that are trying to figure out our loss, because in the midst of the journey of it, at least in talking, I've never been in right. it personally, but in talking to people, it's just, you feel lost. Mm -hmm. Like, what do I do Right to those parents? Can you give them any sort of like, here's something that it's least for me, because the situation might yeah. not always be the same, but what about for you? Was mm -hmm. there something that was helpful? Well, the fact that she was being so annoying with like, you know, just everything she was saying, but that was out of love and that was her never giving up. And one thing that I've always seen in a lot of the rehabs that I've been, because I've been to several, so I've seen a lot of stories and I've heard a lot of stories and a lot of those women didn't have family. And what you see is the ones that go home to maybe they have family, but they're unsupportive mm -hmm. or they don't have family. You see them relapsing and you see them trying to do good. But the family is what's important. And the fact that she stayed when everybody else would have left, even if it was annoying in the time, it over time. Two and three a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, it was annoying. <laughs> But well, the point is saying that you you can, whether you liked it or not, or yes. whether you're asking for this or not, your mom never gave up. Right. So if you're speaking to the audience out there, you're speaking to the mothers mm -hmm. that are out there on yeah. their knees praying, just don't give up. Yeah, don't mm -hmm. give up. Yeah. Even if they don't like it. Yeah. And they won't like it. Right. Like mm -hmm. that's just, it's, they won't like it until they're ready to quit. No, for sure. So. Right. But that's part of what you said. You have to give some of that trust to God. I mean, mm -hmm. at some point we got to turn it over. Like yeah. at some point we got to give our kids to God and say, they're, you love them more than we do. So we're going to be on our knees, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to do something. I think it's also realized 
separating the addiction versus the person. Mm -hmm. So when you do that and just knowing that God did not create a person to be an addict, he didn't create a person with a dream to be an addict, and it's separating that. And in knowing that this was just a symptom of what was going on for Jenny or for anyone else, it's separating that. So there is Jenny. Many times I'd look in her eyes, um, and in deep in addiction, they would not be blue. They would be dark black. And um, and many times I knew That's that. That's dramatic. <laughs> that is dramatic. They were not black. They looked black. They looked Whatever. very black, very dark. You did not look in your eyes. Your no, did. I did not. That's right. Yeah. Um, but in knowing that that's not who Jenny is and realizing that there is a Jenny coming out, there's many times where, I mean, you've OD'd many times and many, one of those times we brought you, you know, mm -hmm. we resuscitated during that process, mm -hmm. your dad and I. So what I can say is never give up. Yeah. There is hope. And scripture verses are what really helped me. Um, Jeremiah 31, um, in verses 15 through 17, it just talks about this woman crying and just because her children are no more. And um, it's the truth when a, when a child's in addiction, they aren't, they're not anymore. She was not the person who, who we knew she was. She became something different that wasn't even a person really right. to say. Um, but I remember a funny story was when she came out of jail, I'd been praying this scripture verse over her so many times. And she came out of Huntington jail one time. Are we okay to say that? I've said I've been to jail so many times. <laughs> on podcast. It's a joke. Yes. Listen, when you people, were in jail, people know I'm a felon mom. When you were in jail, at least I knew I was hopeful that you weren't getting drugs in jail. And you were I know I hated that because I was hoping she'd feel bad for me <laughs> in the Never. very beginning. No, like, no. No. People are creepy. Yes. The then it, well, it turned into a safe place eventually. It was not to, the first time. I used to think it was not a, uh, I'd never wanted my child. Right. There, but but eventually you thought yeah. that. Right. Um, and not to bail her out. So, but she came out and the first thing that she wanted was usually a Coke to go get a Coke. And um, yep. she was like, oh, mom, we got to get a Taco Bell. We got to get a Taco Bell. I've got to get a taco. I've never heard this out of her mouth. But you got to understand that I was praying and I needed answers from God, too. And I was praying this scripture verse, which the last part in verse 17 talks about children will come back to their own border. And you got to understand that own border was, you know, Taco Bell used to have this commercial that would say, do the ding, come to the border. <laughs> do that <laughs> one more time. No, I'm only doing it one no, time. No, do it That's again. Over. Do I'm it again. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so the dong and they all go right to, back the to the border. But when she asked that question, it took me back to where I had been praying over her that God would, that she would return back to the border. Um, it also talks about that the mother's, um, will also be rewarded for their, um, you know, just seeking out God. And I don't know, that just yeah, well, to me was God saying, I've got this, but the journey was still long after that, many, many years. But God was just giving me hope too. And I think that's what it is, is they lose hope in the addiction. Whenever I met with Jenny, she had lost hope of ever being able, the lie was there of saying, I'll never get out of this and I'll never be able to come back. And that is, that's where hope is, um, you know, it can be birthed out of them, but somebody's got to give that hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, again, so I want to ask, because we're already an hour oh. in. No. So yeah. I want to make sure we get to like, because you guys are the, again, you're the story that everybody wants. 
right? So you went mm-hmm. through your trials. Jenny came out of it. You're now in the place of you're helping other women come out of it. We can talk a little bit about that. You're now at a place where you're seeking out the heart of God. Mm-hmm. You're using your story to be able to change the lives of other people. Mm-hmm. But I want you both to speak into this for a second, because this was my thing, even as a pastor. So you listen to these stories, you know, and so mm-hmm. if you just pray for, and if you just mm-hmm. do, and if you just go, and if you just, there's going to be this story. But mm-hmm. what happens when there's not this story? Mm-hmm. What happens to the person that said all of the prayers, that did all the things, that showed up all the places where their daughter didn't come back and mm-hmm. their daughter is even, you right. know, gone now, or their son is gone now? And how do we help a Christian culture? Because this is the thing that I think is permeated in Christian culture sometimes that we don't know how to deal with because we're told, mm-hmm. you know, even through the life of Sherry, like you pray and she'll be healed, right. you be faithful and she'll live. You do these things and God is good. And then it's, then it's not. Yeah. And so many times as Christian people, you don't know how to respond. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to respond when the story doesn't turn out the way that you wanted. We're so right. thankful, obviously, in you guys' story and the things that happened. But how do we speak to people? Because there are people who are listening, right. whether it's through this situation or other situations, mm-hmm. that has prayed and their right. prayers didn't come true. Right. How do we respond to those people in those places that are now sitting back like well why wasn't my situation why wasn't my why couldn't have been like you guys mm-hmm. why why was my son one that did od and you couldn't bring him back and mm-hmm. i prayed and i did the same things you did how do we respond and what are our what what sh- how do we respond to those people and how do we help those people right. through that because i think that's the piece that the christian culture misses sometimes is we don't talk about when it doesn't always work, yeah, right, you know? And right. so can we, I mean, maybe can you guys speak to that a little bit on, yes, your story, God came through, but mm-hmm. what about to the people who are listening today said, I prayed. And in my situation, my prayers weren't answered because I think for a lot of people, that's a big struggle, Yeah, you know, then where was God? And, I, and, you know, I go back to Isaiah and just God's ways and his thoughts are not our ways and are not our thoughts. And there's many things that I don't know. I guess it's just a surrendering, surrendering that really our children are God's. They're all his. Mm-hmm. They're just here with us, part of our family, but they're really God's children. And it's really up to him to decide. And I think for Jenny, when it was life and death for her many, many times, um, it was I had to surrender that to God mm-hmm. to say that my situation could have been the same as somebody else who has lost a lot, a lost a loved one, mm-hmm. um, and to know that um, that God is still the same God, and the Word is still the same Word, and I think many people have some condemnation. I look at God and go, Jenny really sh- should have passed away with one of the overdoses. She could have done it many times in her house mm-hmm. that we didn't know she was using in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. I there there was a reason and a journey, and her life is not. Um, ended here on earth because God made that choice to to make that happen. I don't understand that. I think there's so many questions that we have that we don't understand. Um, I think you can ask God many times. I say, God, I didn't sign up for this. And Mm -hmm. I think there's parents out there that can say, I did not sign up for this, Mm -hmm. God, but I trust you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a matter of just saying, I I don't understand the circumstance and what's happening, but God, I still trust you. Mm -hmm. And um, whether that adds some peace and some comfort, I um, couldn't imagine many times we did think that she wasn't going to be living through some things. But um, God 
has an ultimate reason why she is still here. Mm -hmm. Many great things come out of um, circumstances that don't end up the way that we think that they should. Mm -hmm. um, but as a parent, that's a hard question to, uh, to answer. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, that I would not have that answer for them. Right. Yeah. And again, it's not like there's yeah. this perfect answer to the people, mm -hmm. but I do want us to recognize because mm -hmm. I think the church doesn't always recognize. Right. I think sometimes we hear from the church, pray the right things and it all comes true. Yes. You know, yeah. and we're going to celebrate that God is a faithful God, and, mm -hmm. but he's only faithful when we win. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's permeated. You know, right. I think we talk about that, especially in a charismatic movement. Sometimes it's like, if we just do, oh, the God is right. faithful yeah. if he does. And what if he doesn't? Mm -hmm. And you answered part of that. God is still faithful if he does or doesn't. Yeah. You know, he's still, the, yeah. still the same God. Yeah. You I, know. Think, I think through the whole journey, you said something that has been the whole journey for myself and maybe for Jenny is really God is, we think it's about us when God is just trying to show us who he is through all of this. Right. And I could say that God was long suffering through so much because it didn't happen overnight, and it, but it was a journey of learning and experiencing and um, uh, learning, you know, to, to trust him. Yeah. But I seen God just do so many things. Um, yeah. And Jenny just, it's beautiful to, to watch God and to know even in these past couple of years, what he's done in your life. And are you answering the questions? I don't, I might be. Yeah, no, because I, no, <laughs> no. What, no, no, she, no, I thought she was purposely the answering the question. You know, what she said, and I think this is really, yeah. really important because this is what I learned, mm -hmm. right, through losing Sherry, is, is that one of the things that was revealed to me, the question that was answered to me, who do you love the most? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I had to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Either yeah. I was going to love the things of the world, my wife, my kids, the things right. that he's given me, and be mad at him because he Revealed to me what I loved more. Yeah. Because yeah, if I'm absolutely. mad at him for taking something that I love, when he is the creator, the one that created them, Correct. the one that created the universe, what it revealed in me is that if I am going to be mad, then what I'm revealing inside of me, and I, mm -hmm. I know this isn't a nice way to say it, but mm -hmm. this is what was revealed in me. So however you take this, take it in this way, it revealed to me that if my anger persists, it means that I loved my wife, my kids, my in-law, the people that I've lost, mm -hmm. you know, throughout right. my life at a, what I would consider a too early age would be that I loved them mm -hmm. more than I loved the creator. Right. And yeah. so I can grieve and mm -hmm. wish it was different, but to stay angry with God would just, it, at least it was for me, it revealed to me what I loved more. Okay. And so that was a big exactly. turning point for me is to recognize like, wow, I never really knew this about myself until you're in this situation that, yeah. wow, I like, I didn't really realize that I love. So I had to put into perspective that he is a creator. He is sovereign. He is in control. He didn't make the choice that I wanted him to make. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, that doesn't mean that he, that I still shouldn't love him and trust him Correct. for those decisions, yep. you know? And Absolutely. Yeah. like you said, there is no answer, but I think it's a revealing, it right? Is. I think for each one of us, Absolutely. it's a revealing of where we're at in our journey mm -hmm. and where we're at, you know, in mm -hmm. our faith. So mm -hmm. talk a little bit too. So that, I just wanted to make sure we got yeah. that out there yeah. because I don't want uh, us to ever go and have a podcast that somebody's listening to and they're like, right. okay, I'm going to go pray and X, Y, Z, and I'm going to turn out like your story. Yeah. You know, I want them to know that we need to yeah. pray we need to be on our knees, but it's up to God. Yeah. Expect and anything. The, one of the last overdoses for Jenny too, 
for some reason, I was home at that time. My husband would not. He was upstairs. He wouldn't have known, but God brought me home at that exact time. So so had I not been home at that time, Jenny would not be sitting here at all. And who knows where eternity would have been for her because her heart was not right with God mm-hmm. at all. So, um, yeah, know? but I was saved. Uh-oh, here we go. Uh-oh. Is, is that a question? <laughs> yes, because salvation is forever, right? Like, if I've, even if I've turned, like, I still had God in my heart. Because I told somebody had told me a pastor that I was going to hell during like after that time. And I just don't understand that when you accept God into your heart, like I guess you've sinned, but we will all have sin when we die. Look at this. We could turn into a I'm huge theological I know, but you know this. what I mean? That's another podcast. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's a great <laughs> like, question that we could always talk about. Yeah. Because, again, the, the question is always the same. If mm-hmm. if we make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. it says our name is written in the book of life, never to be right. blotted out again. And that transgressions, some are great and some are small, mm-hmm. but transgressions are transgressions. You know, and I think, unfortunately, long periods of transgression tend for people to be like, well, they were never saved. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that's probably what the pastor was saying. Like, oh, you have yeah. had a long period of transgression. Right. So mm-hmm. the natural response is, well, I guess you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And again, I, I do think it's a theological problem. Yes. Because just because you have long periods of transgression does not mean that you don't love the Lord. Right. They don't know people your heart. Have, people right. have had long periods of transgressions and those things have happened and they were saved. And Mm -hmm. it's just like we see in people in scripture Mm -hmm. on the wall, loving the Lord, Mm -hmm. sleeping with people, Mm -hmm. having, making terrible decisions and God at the end of us saying, but you're a man after my own heart. Right. So I think what we have always said is, is that making a decision for Jesus mm-hmm. is not a just a one-time decision, but a life. You'll see it through a lifetime of how you live. Yeah. And so I think what we're seeing in your short lifetime so far is times of, yes, you were, then you weren't, mm-hmm. now you are. Mm-hmm. We're trusting that that decision was true. Mm-hmm. So we do theologically would say, if you were a believer, if you made a decision, Right. If you would have died in the midst of that, right. if you had truly made that decision, yeah. you're gone to heaven. That's what scripture tells yeah. us. Like that, and we're going to have the hope mm-hmm. that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. You're just mm-hmm. making bad choices right. at the time. So mm-hmm. anyway, that would be, that's a well, that whole other. That just made me mad. <laughs> it's like, no, not it. Like, not what she the, said. Well, because the guy that. said that. And then like oh, later okay. on, like, or even before that, there was this lady and I was at a conference and she just like walked behind me and she whispered in my ear. She's like, God knows your heart. And then she walked on by and I did not know this lady. I never saw her again at that conference. And this was the first, I was like two months sober at this time. The like within the last time that I like really got sober. And it was just weird that she said that because that was something that I knew that I've always like before, like, I mean, I was evangelizing to like Miranda Mm -hmm. Sims and Erica Sims and like other people when I was younger. So Mm -hmm. I did truly have him in my heart, but then did steer. So 
when somebody tells me or anybody else that they're going to go to hell. I think that's just well. Rude. And again, I mean, mm-hmm. a great, a great thought process, and because back to what's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not helpful. So it's probably not for us from an evangelistic standpoint helpful to go to an addict and say, "Well, you're going to hell unless you change your life." Absolutely right, right. right. And again, not that that's mm-hmm. what, it, what we were saying. About right. Again, right. what you were saying, what was helpful is, is that God loves you and knows you. Yeah. Well, and only God can judge a heart. Yeah, for right. sure. I mean, we can see you know we can look we can see fruit or not see fruit but really it's ultimately god who knows the heart better than we know our own heart right mm-hmm. but people yeah. have grown up i mean you said this clear back in the beginning older people have grown up in a religious format which religion Absolutely. would have said you were going to hell yes no matter what well that was I a mean, right. religious church you know what i'm saying yes. religion for sure would say you're yes. going to hell because right. in religion you didn't follow the rules right, right. you know you didn't right. do what you're supposed to do and nobody right. that loves the lord would ever do drugs right mm-hmm. nobody that ever loves the lord would ever abuse their body nobody who mm-hmm. ever loves the lord would mm-hmm. you know yeah do, do yeah. this yeah. yeah right it that, is religion that, yeah. and they're blind they're right. they're just seeing out of they're not seeing mm-hmm. right. they're blind and they're just speaking out of what they only see, which is being blind. Right. Yeah, well, we might have to do a part two because we're part at two. an hour and 20 minutes. We're an hour right and 20 now. minutes. Yeah, so at this point, though, I still think we should do some questions. Yeah, okay. But we might have to have a part two if you come okay. back on telling us what, what you're doing today. Okay. Right, because, it, again, and maybe this will come a part of that because you're doing such a great ministry today mm-hmm. and, and reaching out to, to people. Maybe we just come back on again and kind of go from that part on, okay. you know. So okay. but we have questions. <laughs> yes. The most okay. questions we've ever had. Had, the so most questions we've yes, ever you had. Yeah. So you have to answer it within a 30-second time limit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, mother. All right, hey, question daughter. number one from Jennifer Eller. What is your favorite men- memory of Jenny growing up? So um, Your time's ticking. Jenny, <laughs> No, I'm just stop. kidding. What, <laughs> what um, was a favorite kind of family memory, too, was when we got um, a puppy for the very first time and yes. Jenny was so little and she couldn't, she was busting up to come and tell everybody about this puppy and just, it was just pure joy in her eyes. And she was telling my mom and my father and that she had gotten a puppy and that, uh, you know, and, and you got to understand, I am not really the animal lover no, in the house. So. Still? Still. Still. Oh, wow, yeah. Grayson. She had to Listen, chase after Grayson yesterday. Across the street. <laughs> we don't want to go there. In, back, in the back of neighbor's yards. And, like, these neighbor's you yards are, are like, the back the of the house and the back of the house. She's probably running up and down. Yeah. So it was when you got a puppy. When yeah, I got a seeing, puppy. Seeing little Jenny. Well, yeah. with the lover. It, it was when a puppy arrived at the house because I wasn't aware that we were getting a puppy that time. So, but seeing Jenny with so much joy in her, I mean, it was just bubbly. Wow. So that was a precious Jenny time. and dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Exact, you knew it then. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine that. Okay. What's the next All one? All right. Next one from Karen Bennett is what advice would you give parents, spouses, loved ones, or someone battling addiction? We all know that we pray, but what are other lessons did you learn along the way? I think we kind of answered that. Yeah, I think we did yeah. so, yeah, that. And I know Karen and I love her dearly and it's never give up. I mean, yeah. God didn't give up on us in our journey and it's never give up and never see the person for what you visually see them and what they're doing in the actions. You know, ask God, um, who are they? You know, like ask, especially if it's a loved one, like, God, how do you see this person? Um, how can I pray that way? Not with what I'm seeing in the addiction and all the the sin, you know, the uglies, 
peel that apart, peel that off, God, and how do you see them? Many times it's like maybe there's somebody in the biblical and the scriptures that I can just say, okay, this is my example. This is who this person is, right. kind of how I created them. Right. Ask God. He knows right. best. Good. What's that mean? It's a oh signal. So she already said that beginning in the podcast of to, that, that. Yes, well, not towards the end, but this is our signal for you already said it. So stop yeah, I talking. Didn't hear that. Okay. Yes, I didn't you did because she was. Okay, Keep I won't get going. into it. <laughs> All right. From Lisa Leist. Awesome. Wait, I don't know why she said awesome. That was, <laughs> you read that your was reply. The repl- no, that was the okay. reply. I, no, that was my reply. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I know. Okay. You read your reply. Wait, no, I didn't actually, but I'm still confused. Okay. Either through way. her ministry, what does the Lord continue to tell her as she helps these ladies through their journeys? You know what? Everybody has a passion that's birthed inside of them, and it might be desires of the heart. Find the passion. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Find the purpose. That's the purpose. Find the passion. Find what they were, uh, that they need help. Maybe there's just one little thing you see in your child. You know, um, like with Jenny, she was always loved to be in the spotlight, loved to have those things. So you knew that a microphone, she would have a microphone because she always was on stage at yes. my kids' church, you know, after church, just going up there and singing I and grew doing up things. on the stage. You know, yeah. It just is find their passion and help them find their purpose. Yeah. Awesome. All right. From Adam Shoemaker, we have two questions. This question is for Jenny and Christine. How can a friend slash family member, parent assist someone struggling through addiction? And I feel like we kind of answered that one as well. Yeah, I think we, we didn't talk yeah. about ripping you out of Indianapolis, did we? <laughs> Kidnapping me? No, she, you guys kidnapped yeah, me. That work. was one way to help. Yes. Kidnap people out of their mm-hmm. current circumstance. Do not enable them when they are in their addiction, but help them when they want help out of the addiction. That's probably the best advice I can give you. That's good. Um, Yeah. So you'll run from the help that's not wanted. And, and, and if you're a husband and wife, be on the same page with it, you know, to make that stand, it was easier for my husband to say, you have to leave today than it probably was for me as a Mm. parent and as a mother, I needed him to say that too. And for us to both stand in that area. Okay, good. Okay. If, okay, wait, how can we continue to support others after sobriety is achieved? Again, mentoring is probably one of the key um, ingredients is to always be there in their life journeys because they're going to have, if they don't have any family members that are of great significant advisors for them, they Mm. need people that will completely surround them because there'll be things in their journey that they won't know. It'll come out and um, they're not sure how to handle even parenting and mothering and Mm. dating and all of those things. So they need they need to develop who they are. It takes a while. The brain takes a while to heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the person that Jenny was even at one month out was not, is not the same person that of course she is today. It is a journey along the way. So again, encouraging p- people that are coming out of addiction, they need to be back in places that keep them accountable. Yeah. I think as a body of Christ, we all need to be accountable to, to, right. to different people. So when I start seeing people not want to be accountable, yeah. that is the number one um, little signal that goes up in mind, a red flag that says, if you don't want to be accountable to people, yeah. how can you be accountable to God to keep you in, in line? Um, it's just a signal to say that that's not a good sign for that individual. Yeah. Um, keep praying. Yeah, good. All right. From Shawnee Young, she says, not Shani. a... 
Shani? Mm-hmm. Dang it. Okay. Sorry, Shani. <laughs> <laughs> Not a question, but a praise. You have raised an amazing daughter with mm-hmm. an amazing testimony that shows a great example of Romans 8.28 and Genesis 50.20. Okay, Julie Hollinger. Hollinger. Oh. Did I- <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I've known her for so long. I'm guy. so sorry, Julie. I'm so <laughs> sorry, Julie. It's okay. I get everybody's name wrong. It's fine. It I didn't matter. even know it's my just... middle name how to spell it for a really long time. It's perfect. Just keep okay. Going. She says no questions, but I just want to tell her that two of my three succulents are still alive <laughs> and that I miss Woo! seeing her. Julie, wow. that's so funny. Yeah. I was thinking about this yesterday if anybody's was alive. So well, you there you go. Two of them are alive. She used to do succulents like over 2020. That was in my wow. rest period. Okay. Yeah. You know, in between yeah. know, doing things, telling God I wasn't going to go back into recovery. Yeah. I was and done with that. Yeah. Succulents. And yeah. I, you're succulents. pretty cool, though. Yeah. yeah. Now Jenny's a plant Now person. I'm the plant lady. She is. Really? She's been Googling everything, how to keep it alive, and she's got. Is it a female I, plant in the background? It's a female plant. Okay. Yeah, I, haven't, I haven't named her yet, though. But she and I have, because I remember I almost killed her because she was the one. So I, I got her for Easter and I almost killed her. And then I took her home and brought her back to life. And ever since then, I've been obsessed with plants. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. All right. Next question is Alex Bope. And she wants to know, what is the fan, what is your funniest memory that you have of me? Funniest, not funniest. Fondest, funniest, 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 funniest. Oh my word! Now I'm I'm gonna have to think on that one. Okay. Jenny well, out uh, in the snow looking for the abominable snowman. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny story. Okay, oh what? Uh, what is there another one? Um, yes. Okay, so Kaylin. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm done say saying people's name. names. Kaylin Griffith wants to know: Do you listen to Christian music? And if so, what artist band is your favorite? Yeah, I was saying Spotify earlier. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just listen to everything that's yeah. on Spotify. Yeah, I do like Elevation Worship. I like I don't know a lot of the contemporary. No country. What? No. Mm-hmm. No yeah, country. We're like in that non, sense. Yeah. Like absolutely. Yeah. I'll okay. turn it off. I can't even now go there. One song. No. What's your favorite song? I don't know. I have Roar something like lion. from what? Roar no, like the lion. I do like lion elevation. I do like that. Yeah, yeah that's go. a good one. I mean, it. I changed something different. Kim yeah. Walker Smith. She. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. Jesus yeah. culture. That's yeah. been. Yeah. Wow. All right. Chris Jackson wants to know how proud are you seeing Jenny come through her difficult journey and seeing what God has done in her. Oh, absolutely. As a parent, this is everything that you hope that your child will be able to accomplish. And, but more than that, what I love is her um, aspiration for God, just seeing that and allowing God to work in her life. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful journey. It's a beautiful journey, but it's one that also has a, a weight on it, too. Jenny has been pulled from the pit, and it also lays on her heart to be able to share that out for others. So I believe every part of our journey, whatever we've done, is a passion for somebody else. So it is really our responsibility as Christ, Jenny's responsibility to go out there and to share the gospel and to pull other people that, hey, I, here's what God can do, and it can do it for you. There is hope. No. There is hope. <laughs> What's your funniest memory of me? It's I okay. Was, she doesn't have anything. You're not that God. funny. Yes, I you're am. You're not that funny. Yes, you I thought am. you were funny. No, I was so excited about this. Okay. Go. Is it embarrassing? Yeah, it should. It is, yes. <laughs> what is it? Well, it should be embarrassing because you're up there at Cedar Point. And oh, this is the that's first not embarrassing. trip. This is the very already, first trip that you're going to go. Okay, maybe you no, talked about go, it. No, no, we've go, never said on. it. Go ahead. So 
as a parent, this is her first trip taking all these three teenagers with her. And I'm like, Jenny, do you need a map so that you're able to get back home? <laughs> no, mom, I bought this. Mom, I've got this. I, I will be able to get this story. I yes. Have, yes. It's, um, yes. it's midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock, and I'm up and Jeff's sleeping. And I'm like, she hasn't even called me yet. She won't even. Then I get this phone call. I think it was like 2.30 in the morning. I'm in California. And mom, no, where no, am I, Jenny? It was Justine that called you. Okay. Remember? Because I wouldn't call her. That's true. You I was would, afraid to call you. you so just why you were, did. Because you told me, Mom, I got this all on my own. I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, was in Pennsylvania. She was in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I was very far in Pennsylvania, yes. I didn't know how to turn around. Oh, it's still the funniest so, thing yeah. when you did tell that yeah. story. Yes. Yeah. Four and a half hours later, I really? think it really like, Nobody looks at the signs entering Pennsylvania no. and think, oh, wow. Why does that? That doesn't make sense. Opposite Why would you do that? Don't listen yeah, no. to mom. I listened to the guy at the gas, or the creepy motel, okay? <laughs> and at yeah. that but this time, is the first official it. trip that you let her go all by herself with her friends. Yeah, Nobody had the little... Things there was no GPS. No, there GPS wasn't even whatever. That yeah, no. but we did get her a garment first or something all, later. Okay. Yes, but first of all, there I did take a map quest. I just didn't reverse it because I thought I could reverse it back. I <laughs> okay. thought I could just take the same directions, but reverse it. Oh, Jenny. Yeah. All right, Jenny. Okay. End, end us up. All right. So Grab those were our last questions. Oh, questions. and we're not going to put it up there now. No, I forgot. You got, it's going to be across I the know. bottom. So That's you have right. to make sure that <laughs> you right. remember. All right. So the questions that I just asked my mother. Why are you looking at me like that? What are you going to ask? I'm not talking to you. Okay. I'm talking to you. <laughs> That's I'm a good not thing. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to them. No. Okay, well, look at them. Okay, all right. Well, I like to look at you guys, too. But the questions that I just asked, I send messages each month, or each, I keep saying each month, but I said that to you. But each week is I let you know who's going to be on our guest, like I did with my mom. So you can either text us with the number that I'm about to give you or reply to mine once you have our message or our number. Um, ask us questions, comments. If you want to be a guest, we need more guests. And Are we running out of guests? We're not running out of guests, but we can okay. always use more. I would like to be scheduled out till next year. Okay. That would be Perfect. a breath of fresh air. Okay. Um, so our number is? 260-408-8383. Eight three. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was really trying. But yeah, we want to be in conversation with you. We want you to be a part of it. We don't want to be alone. And yeah. Yeah. Well, again, so thanks so much for coming Thank on. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks Thank for, you. again, giving us insight. Because I think that's the biggest thing is, is that mm -hmm. raising kids, trying to figure out challenges, try to understand when it doesn't always go the way that we want it to go. How should we respond? And again, what a cool part to your story, you know, of you guys get to sit together. And I'm sure there were times where this is what you thought was going to happen. You know, right. but God can do miracles, does do miracles. Mm -hmm. This is Absolutely. one of them. And so thanks for coming on Thank and sharing you. your story. And again, thanks everybody for joining us. Again, don't forget, share if you have an opportunity. Yes. When Jenny puts it out there, make sure that you share, um, you know, what she put out there so other people can get it inside mm -hmm. of their timeline comment. It helps us to be able to get into other people's feeds is comment. Yeah. Um, and let us know what you think about it or let us know or send some encouraging messages, go on YouTube and comment, but we'd yeah. love for you guys to help us continue uh, to grow this opportunity and continue to allow us to speak in the lives of many people. Yeah. So thanks mm -hmm. again. Thanks everybody for joining us and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.